From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and joining me for this episode is Oriana Schwint. Oriana is a, uh, at least formerly, a TV media reporter, still officially a reporter, I think, has uh, done a couple of uh, projects since the last time I spoke to her. One was to travel all around the country, which she was in the middle of the last time I talked to her, which she's now done with and uh, has finished her Centerville project. And uh, that led to, among other things, uh, being published as a travel writer for The New Yorker, which is pretty cool. And uh, now Oriana has launched her own podcast called American Grift, which is just really, you know, about kind of the, the common shitheads that we deal with all the time who are trying to steal our money. Uh, I believe the uh, the first one was with uh, Anna Delvey. The second one was on Ther- Theranos and uh, Elizabeth Holmes. And then Oriana, welcome to the podcast because I forget the name of the uh, the Fire Media guy, and you can you can just join the podcast and tell me what that guy's name is again. Yeah, good old Billy McFarland. Also, it was New York Magazine, not the New Yorker. I'm not that. I mean, they're both fancy, but I'm I'm not quite New Yorker level fancy yet. I suppose. Um, but yeah, Billy McFarlane and shithead is a really good word for him because he, like it was astonishing to me. This dude was out on bail waiting for, waiting to be sentenced for being a grifter uh, for the fire festival that, that was not what he told people it was going to be. Um, so he's out on bail and he gets popped for, selling a hundred grand worth of fake tickets to events like the Emmys and the Super Bowl, uh, or sorry, the Grammys and the Super Bowl, which is just amazing to me. Like he just couldn't help himself, I guess. You know, so I, I we, we could jump right into this. So I, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> what it is that it says about me. Cause, because for some reason, and um, I, I don't really like if I if I if I get into the weeds and I start analyzing it, I don't really find any differences in any of the grifts. But uh, for some reason, right. if for some reason, uh, uh, Delvey and Billy, they don't interest me. Uh, they they just seem like, you know, co- common, common hoodlums. And there isn't really anything intriguing to those stories for me for some reason. But the but the Theranos one. I'm still kind of rattled over that. And uh, I'm just wait. you know, I'm, I'm, I probably won't be happy until Elizabeth Holmes is in, you know, some white collar jail. Which she w- she will be at some point. Um, so but that, why do you I think, think it I, is? I totally understand what you're saying. Uh, I, I think I, I get what you're saying because Anna Delvey is small potatoes. She was just like, and that's to me, that's why I enjoyed it. It was because it was, it was pretty low stakes. And she didn't really hurt anyone that I care about. You know, she wasn't ripping off uh, old you know, old ladies' pensions. People with payday loans, right? Right. She was not. She, you know, she didn't have a payday loan scam operation. She wasn't, you know, getting people's cars repossessed or whatever. She was. She was um, kind of a weird version of Robin Hood, almost. Except she kept all of the proceeds for herself mostly um but she did she did she spread cash around to people like you know who worked at the hotel that she worked at which is fine by me i have i have no problem with that um billy mcfarlane and like you know again he didn't really hurt anyone who i'm not going to say the people who went to Firefest and discovered that it was like a 
you know, it was a FEMA camp essentially in the Bahamas. I'm not going to say that they deserved that, but eh, everything turned out fine for, for most people. But Theranos is, is, is a big problem because it was a failure of so many different institutions. First of all, the business press. I mean, she did a really good job. She and, and Sunny Balwani, her, her partner, they did a really good job hoodwinking people. Uh, you know, they, they literally wrote software to make the machines look like they were you know, working just slowly so they could trick business reporters into who were like, well, let's do this test then. But, you know, so it was a failure of the business press in some ways. Uh, and, uh, you know, investors in general were, they yeah, just you know what? So I can, I can tell you the moment where I got heat around Theranos and, and that was, and that was when, uh, I, I, this is awful. Cause the guy wrote a great book. What, what, what's the author's name from the wall street journal who wrote the John Kerry. Yeah. John Kerry. Shout yeah. out to John. Yeah. He's, he good is, stuff. he is a good man. And, uh, and, 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 uh, what really got me hot about everything was when, you know, he finally wrote the first of the pieces where, you know, th- it was obviously just a scam and he had the goods on on them. I mean, he had a lot of the goods on them already from that from that first story. Uh, and then people from the VC community like Mark Andreessen just coming out of the woodwork to skewer him, you know, for being anti VC. Uh, you yeah. know, when I saw that kind of tribalism coming from the VC community, that's what really made it look like, whoa, whoa, this, this thing is really quite ugly, uh, somehow. And I, I think that was kind of my fascination with that story. Absolutely. And it was just so strange. There are so many details in that story that are just, you know, I can't wait for the movie. Uh, you know, Adam McKay is a great director. I loved what he did with the big short. So I'm really, you know, and Jennifer Lawrence is perfect for this role. Uh, she's going to do the black turtleneck but, justice. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But that's what's so amazing to me. I think I was bitching about this on Twitter this morning was how all it takes to fool people into giving you hundreds of millions of dollars is Steve Jobs cosplay. That's it. That's all it takes. No, 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 no. That's not all it takes. It also (laughs) takes the desire to get over on people to begin with. Right. I mean, so you you, you have to have that or, or none of it works. That's what's standing in my way. That's why I have not turned to a life of grift is because I just can't bring myself, even if even people like Henry Kissinger, who I hope he loses all of his money ever and Rupert Murdoch as well. Uh, I just can't, I can't bring myself to, to do that to people. More fool. I, I, uh, no, I you know, I mean, so, uh, we, we don't, we don't, we don't talk about this much. I don't talk about it much in public, but, uh, you know, we, we had a little bit of back and forth where, where you weren't sure you wanted to follow Jamel Hill on my podcast. And I told you, no, 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 it's okay. I promise you, I'm going to make the same money on this episode <laughs> as I will on the episode with Jamel, which is true. And, uh, I will say it's this, crazy. it's not crazy. You know what? The truth is, uh, I am, I will say that my, in my opinion, I am vastly, vastly underpaid for my contributions as at sports TV ratings. Uh, but 
uh, you know, and I know this bothers some people balancing via the extremes doesn't really bother me that much. I know a lot of people find it really repugnant, but for me, the truth is I was kind of way overpaid for a lot of the other stuff that I've done in my life. And so it just mm-hmm. all kind of balances out that, uh, that I'm okay with, uh, with, uh, not being on the grift with this podcast because, uh, you know, it just, it just really, you know, I don't, first, first of all, I do not like asking people for money. That's something that makes me feel very uncomfortable. Oh my God. No, me neither. And I don't even like, I mean, you know, I mean, if I, if I, you know, promote a podcast like more than three times a day, I feel kind of gross to be honest, like on Twitter, just on Twitter. I feel kind of gross if I promote a podcast more than three times a day. So people who are wired like us, we are not going to make good grifters. That's just the way it is. Correct. It was hard enough. I, you were, you talked about the Thunderbolt project and I, I funded that entirely through Patreon and that was hard enough, uh, getting, getting, asking people to pay me for something that I, I actually did believe had, had some utility. You know, the stories that I was writing were, they were written quite quickly because I was doing them in real time. I did a story on each geographic center of a state that I visited, um, and I was I was publishing fairly frequently, so your you know five dollars a month or whatever was I believe well spent, but it still killed me to ask for it. I'm working on a I'm working on a book proposal right now with with a lit agent, and it's the most soul crushing process <laughs> I've ever been through. And I've had some like, and I've you know I've been a journalist since I was 18 years old. I've been I've had some pretty soul crushing editing I've been through the the edit ringer before but this is entirely different the nonfiction world you know if you're not John Carreyrou putting together a nonfiction book proposal is just it's it's worse than having a double ear infection and a root canal at the same time I haven't experienced that yet but I've had a double ear infection and that was bad enough, but I, it's, it's just, you know, they, they want you to do. So I, by the way, I've had, I've had, I was just going to say, I've had plenty of root canals. The double ear infection is much worse than the root canal, much worse. The ear infection is worse. It's, it's the worst pain I've ever endured. I've, I've broken bones and whatnot, but it's, it's inside your head and you can't get the, the book proposal thing is it's funny. You know, you, you're talking about, it's very much, what you were saying, you know, people, they want you to write something that will get you on Oprah because their job is to sell books, which is understandable. But some of what I write about and do is not necessarily like the most commercial appeal. You know, it doesn't have the most commercial appeal necessarily. And I am struggling with that mightily right now. Yeah. I think, I think there's a, there's a way to, uh, I think there's a way to trick the world and, and do write what you want to write and, and still get paid. But uh, uh, we, we could talk about that offline. So the uh, the TV, speaking of commercials and commercial success, the uh, the TV season has started, the fall TV broadcast season. Yes, it has. And, uh, and if no uh, one's watching, has it really started? Well, well, see, that's that's an interesting thing. So this is stuff that I used to follow. And, you know, for I don't know, uh, you know, a good seven years, I followed. Uh, quite religiously, uh, but uh, this year, the truth of it is, when it comes to the uh, broadcast network scripted shows, I really could not name a single new series off the top of my head, uh, like without go- googling new TV shows first. So I'm not into it 
at, at all this season. And, uh, and it looks like I'm not alone on that score. So what's your, what's your big takeaway outside of, you know, networks airing football? Uh, what's your big takeaway on the, uh, uh, the unscripted and scripted fair on the broadcast primetime this fall? I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I can name one new show, or maybe two, and the only reason is because right before this, I was listening to Spotify, and an ad came on for a show called The Kids Are All Right. <laughs> I couldn't really tell you what this show is about. I think it involves children, but clearly I wasn't listening to this, this ad very closely on Spotify, and it's... I don't know. It's, it's I, I am not one of those people who's like, ah, TV's dead, broadcast's dead. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's not a thing. And like you, you know, I spent a good chunk of my professional career following the ratings and the shows and writing about the casting and all this other stuff. And I could not care less. I could not possibly care less about any of these shows. And I... You know, I have a a weird friend group in that most of us are in some way connected to the media industry, but they feel similarly. We're all roughly around the same age, so, you know, in our early 30s, and it just, no one cares. No one cares. Even my parents, my parents were in their 60s, you know, the prime broadcast television audience at this point. They they're watching shit on Netflix all the time now. Wow. That's yep. that's you know this is totally anecdotal. This I, so I'm not gonna uh, you know say that. Hey, that's, watch what you want when you want to watch it without commercials. That sounds maybe like it will be attractive even to old people like me. Yes, it is attractive <laughs> to old people like me. It is it is funny. I you know I. I, I'm a fairly mercenary writer at this point. I, I write for people who pay me. And I was talking to, uh, I was doing an interview with someone who was involved in ad sales. And they're like, you know, people like ads. I was like, do they though? Are, are you sure about that? Like there might be one ad in a thousand that you don't, that doesn't make you want to take a header off the Triboro Bridge but that's about it. And I, it, I know it's their job to, to sort of propagate that mindset of, no, people do like ads, but I, I don't know how much longer you can do, th- yeah, do that. Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, I think, it's, I think it's probably more than one in a thousand. And I think that people probably like ads more than they admit. But there are so many ad breaks, right? I mean, so that's the thing. You know, you want you, you know, something, something uh, on TV. If you're not watching on DVR and you're watching it, you know, the old-fashioned way that uh, you know takes you takes you an hour. Uh, you know, will take you 40 minutes on uh, on Netflix. And and uh, and for even forgetting about the time compression, uh, the, the the 20 minutes that you missed actually make the content better, right? Cause you're just going from scene to scene to scene without a break. And you're, you're, it's more immersive, uh, like watching a movie. And, uh, uh, I, uh, I, I think it's going to become a, an incre- just increasingly harder and harder sell, uh, to get people to, uh, uh, to take a scripted content now with advertising. Absolutely. Even unscripted. I was watching, uh, parts unknown, I think it was a, one of the last few new episodes on Sling. And 
the runtime was like an hour and 10 minutes. And it was, I swear to God, I didn't time it. I should have, but I swear to God, it was 30 minutes of ads. And now, now Sling is a different uh, product. And I think I was watching it on demand. So it's even, even you know, the ad load is even more different than usual, but it was, I mean, it would cut off in the middle of Bourdain's voiceover and, and go to an ad. And then the ads would themselves be interrupted by other da- ads because <laughs> there's something wrong with uh, how, how that backend stuff is working. And it, it was the most miserable user experience what, I think what, I've ever had. What were you watching it through again? Sling, did you say? Sling, which I, which I like. As a pro, I really, I genuinely like it, and it wor- it mostly works pretty well. Particularly the live, the live stuff they've got going pretty well, at least in my experience. But the on-demand stuff, if you're watching something on-demand with ads, I mean, it just, it's an absolutely miserable user experience. And I'm not entirely sure who's most at fault there. If it's you know, the, the sling backend that handles the ad placements or, or whatnot. But when you've got ads interrupting other ads or, you know, there would be, for some reason, the ad break would kick in uh, like probably 30 seconds or so before the natural ad break in the show. And then, so it would be, you know, two or three minutes of ads, you'd come back to the show 30 seconds of the show would pass and then you would get another ad break. And that's, you know, if you, if you want people to be less ad averse, don't do shit like that. Yeah. So I, 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 I actually, I I can't see that stuff getting any better. And I actually think it might get a little worse before it does get better. But, but, but I see that. uh, And I'm, I'm going to ask you to, to put on your, your sports TV ratings dunce cap. But uh, but I, I see that working out very well for sports in general, because uh, as much as we might hate ads and hate all of the ad breaks, the one thing I think we will put up with them for is still sports. And as long as yes. that's the case, and uh, I, I mean, as long as that's the case and it seems to be becoming increasingly more so the case, that just seems like it's more and more and better and better news for the league's even in an environment where their ratings may actually be falling. What, what are your thoughts on that? Again, you're pretty much dead on. I feel like I'm a very boring guest because I'm just <laughs> agreeing with you, but it's, but it's true. It's true. And you know, it's, what's great about now being freelance and not being tethered to, you know, having to create lasting relationships with, with people on the other side is I can say that like, you know, I'm annoyed that the, <laughs> that this is good for some of these leagues because I, you know, some of them I believe deserve a swift downfall for all the shit that they're pulling uh, on players and regular people. But uh, yeah, there's, I mean, the basic economics is when supply decreases, which is ratings points, then, you know, and demand is either flat or increases then you're going to get, you're going to get more money. It's just how it rolls. There's not really a whole lot that you can do about it, particularly because, you know, sports are still the only thing that people watch live. It's, or you know, one of the few things that people reliably watch live. And 
that's that's just the world we live in. Yeah, the, I mean, yeah. So at this point, the you know, college football and NFL are, and, and maybe you know, like the the baseball and the NBA, uh, you know, playoffs slash finals are the only things that really pull in any scale on a regular basis. Yep, and it's it's re- it's reliable scale, and it's scale it's it's secure scale, which means you don't have to worry that. You know, if you're Verizon, you don't have to worry that your that your ad is running on a white supremacist website. <laughs> you know, and that's where your 20 million impressions are coming yep. from, which is huge. I mean, you know, it's it's brand safety. <laughs> it's just you can't you can't get that online anymore. No, I, I, I mean, and, and there's nowhere online where, I mean, maybe I guess on Facebook you could reach 20 million people at the exact same time uh, with the exact same message, but I don't think you could do it in the exact same way you can do it on TV. And, uh, and so even if the, the scale is there, the, uh, you know, the environment is a little bit different. Uh, so, so where do you come out? I, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm asking you about things you love talking about, but uh, where, where do you come out on the... Uh, the sports rights bubble. Well, I, I do think it, I see both sides of the, like, you know, I, I know people who are very firmly like, again, sports are the only thing that people watch and they're a necessary investment. And so that's just going to keep happening. Prices are going to, or, you know, the, the, the price of these rights are just going to continue to skyrocket. 2021 is going to be really interesting. Uh, given, given the expiration of, of these, broadcast NFL deals. Yep. It's 2021, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, yes. That, oh, I think the, uh, uh, Wait, is that the, ESPN? No, I think I think I think all of them, and, and uh, I think the uh, okay. the current Amazon deal is maybe two years. You know, it's it's this year, next year, so there might even be uh, one little deal on the digital side before the next rights deal comes up. Just a quick edit slash clarification. Oriana was correct. It's the Monday Night Football rights on ESPN that expire in 2021. The rest of the rights on uh, CBS, Fox, and NBC expire in 2022. Back to the podcast. But I, you know, the the, the broadcasters are all going to fight tooth and nail. They'll put as much money into this as they need to because they need it so much. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and I don't see I don't see Apple really but I don't know what the hell Apple is doing but I don't necessarily see them stepping in and just crushing everyone yeah I've had some back and forth with with some people like you know whether whether it's Amazon or Apple I I can't see the NFL wanting an exclusive partner that's digital uh, just because of you know what will happen to the reach of their product as a result of that, which by the way, will be that the, the reach of their product will go way, way down uh, for whatever windows that they, that they make digital only. Uh, And I can't see, I can't see, for example, Amazon saying, well, you know what? We'll just rent time from CBS then and show these games on CBS. Um, I can see the NFL being fine with that. uh, But I, I just can't sort of, at least at this point, I can't wrap my, my arms around, uh, that being a good idea for Amazon. Yeah, I, I can't figure out why Amazon would want to do it that way. Uh, so right now, and you know, we're, we're still a, a few years off, uh, probably a couple years off 
uh, from those deals being uh, done and announced. Uh, but right now, I will be very, very surprised if in those new deals, um, there is an exclusive partner Unless it's like, uh, I think it was on a, a podcast I did with Ryan Glassbeagle and then Patrick Craig's last week. I think it was Ryan, but it might have been Patrick who said, uh, uh, you know, maybe what makes sense is like those five games that are only on the NFL network. Right. Give those to Amazon. And right. that and that I could kind of see. But like a major TV package going all digital, I will be very surprised to see that even in the, you know, even in the next rights deal. How about you? Yeah, I, I don't. Again, it's it's just it's, it, they're all too valuable to to the broadcasters, you know. And and you know, Amazon likes the NFL because Amazon wants to be all things to all people, and it's it's. But for them, it's just a piece of the puzzle. It is not the entirety, you know. It it is a much smaller piece of their puzzle than it is to CBS or Fox. Yeah, I or think NBC. I I think Amazon right now is saying. Hey, if we do this, could we sell more jerseys? And the data is in. Yes, yes, they can sell a few more jerseys, and so they're going to keep trying and see what they learn. And yep. uh, I think that's I think that's uh, smart on you know both Amazon's part and the NFL's part. The interesting thing with the NFL, it's going to be really interesting to see how like they slice the rights up. Because, like, particularly on the digital side, I mean, they slice some of those. I mean, but you know, between like what's NBC's digital rights and what's what's Verizon's digital rights. Digital versus mobile versus. Yes. Yeah. They they slice all that stuff very thin. Uh, So so it will be interesting and uh, in in some back and forth uh, that I've had with uh, with with Ryan Glassbeagle and Patrick Craig's. Uh, Patrick Craig's has actually, I'll give Patrick the credit. Patrick has suggested that he thinks in the next rights round that, uh, that there might be as a result of the, the new rounds of rights, uh, an additional partner for the Super Bowl. So right now there are four partners and three of them get the Super Bowl. And, uh, Patrick thinks maybe that rotation grows to four. Uh, I think I might be putting words in his round, um, excuse me, I might be putting words in his mouth, but he thinks it might go to, to four partners for the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and, and maybe like Fox goes to getting the Super Bowl um, uh, twice every five years in, instead of once every three years, that kind of thing. Uh, and that would yeah. be that would be kind of interesting uh, wrinkle to see uh, if there's another Super Bowl partner. But uh, I, I will be surprised if there's a, you know, outside of that, if there's a whole lot different with the next round of rights as far as the TV broadcast. Right. And, you know, a lot, a lot, I will say this, a lot can happen in two, two-ish years. You know, God, God only knows That's true. What, what the world will look like. I think, I think, I, I mean, think... maybe, maybe Facebook watch will eventually, you know, take off. Maybe people will actually start watching Facebook watch. And, don't we have enough data to know that people, in. don't we have, a, don't we already have enough data to know that like, at least without sp- Facebook spending you know, a shit ton of money, let's say half a billion dollars in marketing, the people just aren't interested in doing that. I mean, we, we kind of already know that, don't no. we? We do know that, but uh, hey, who knows? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, uh, what's, what's coming up on American Grift and, uh, who, and, and if, if it's not coming up, like what is, what is the biggest grift out there that you're interested in? Oh my God. There are so many. I'm, I'm recording like episodes in the next few days uh, wow what's your uh what what are you going for publishing wise you're trying to publish once a week twice a week five times a week well it's it's twice twice a month 
twice um, a month. But I, I try oh. and for now, but I, I might I might start putting more episodes. There are so it. many grifters. It's a, it's a lot of work. There's so much grift out there. And I'm constantly, people send me stuff every day now, pretty much. Um, I'm very excited. So uh, the next episode that will be released is about this uh, massive fake debt collection scheme that uh, was uncovered by a guy who was a victim of it. He's just a guy from Rhode Island uh, who was pushed a little too far by a debt collector and, and did some investigating of his own and, and uncovered a, a scam worth, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Is this the guy who's like, he's like billed a thousand originally and it grew to like 40,000, but he never really owed any of it to begin with. Uh, yes. This guy's name is Andrew Therian. Uh, he, uh, He's, he was like kind of a pain in the ass to the FTC and the FBI. Um, <laughs> he's like sort of like a vigilante, anti-debt collector kind of guy. Uh, but so we, I recorded that episode with you know a couple fellow journalist friends, and I teased the episode on Twitter. And I get he found the tweet and and uh, did some digging and found the phone number of a, of one of my co-hosts and texted, texted my co-hosts and was like, well, what's this? You guys are going to talk about me on a pod. What, what, what's happening? And uh, you didn't so even ask me. I've, so you got the guy on your podcast now. That's great. Yeah. So there's going to be an entire episode. That's just me and him chatting about, awesome. about, you know, yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. There was a big Bloomberg article about it like a year ago. Um, and there's, there's some interesting updates on on all that uh and then god there's there's just so many there's one about like a wine fraud there's a lot of wine fraud but this one this is a guy named rudy kerniawan uh who who fooled a lot of uh hollywood people a lot of a lot of these grifts end up touching hollywood in some way like uh there's there was a book that just came out from two wall street journal reporters that i'm I'm like number two in the queue at the library for it. What's so I'm the title? To get it and, and talk about it. It's called Billion Dollar Whale, um, and it was a guy who basically just he was he he stole money from a bank in Southeast Asia. I can't remember if it was Indonesia or Malaysia, um, but he 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 yeah, you know, it was money stolen from a bank, and he essentially laundered it through. Hollywood and Wall Street and uh, fooled a lot of people into into thinking that he was a big shot. Uh, and it just it's, it sounds insane. He, you know, he's at these parties rubbing elbows with with these people and treating them treating these celebrities <laughs> like very insultingly. Uh. Uh, all the while being a money launderer. Uh, and so I, I can't wait to read this and talk about it. Uh, you know, this is someone was like, well, why don't you like, you know, talk, talk to the journalists or the, the people involved in the grift. I was like, but I don't know. It was just a, it was just like me and my friends talking. That was, was kind of the idea. That the was the idea place. of the podcast. Well, you know what? On some of them, I got to be honest. So I think on some of them, that is the perfect treatment. But on some of them, I think you actually could put your, uh, your reporting sensibilities. Well, yeah. I mean, it, I, I, I think some of it, 
some of it uh, is such that uh, you have a sort of a unique angle on it where maybe your own narrative 20, 20 to 30 minute version of it wouldn't be a bad idea sometimes. Not, not for all of them. Yeah. Like Anna Delvey, I say no. Uh, uh, you know, but the, but the, but the, the Theranos one and a couple of others I could think of that you might, you might be able to mine it. Anyway, the uh, podcast is called American Grift. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the usual places. And, uh, the guest name is Oriana Schwint and she is at Schwinter on Twitter. Spell that out for them. S-C-H-W-I-N-D-T-E-R. Don't tweet me. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, you could tweet her. And uh, thanks for joining the yeah, podcast, Oriana. Pleasure to talk to you as always. Thanks again, Robert. Thanks again to Oriana Schwint for joining the podcast. You can find her on Twitter at Schwinter. That's S-C-H-W-I-N-D-T-E-R. And you can find her new podcast, American Grift, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, you can check out past episodes of this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, unless you listen to podcasts on SoundCloud, but you should be able to find it everywhere else. Uh, check out past episodes with guests like Jamel Hill, uh, Turner Sports' Scooter Vertino, who uh, heads up uh, Turner's NBA production, and best-selling author James Andrew Miller. Thanks for listening.